We've been spending our time this particular month dealing with the idea of the home. We've looked at the home as God would have established it and have it, would have it run. We've looked at the duties of the parents. We've looked at the duties of the children. And today I'd like for us to look at the tragedy that happens to people in divorce. There are regulations to marriage. Genesis chapter 3, or Genesis chapter 2 rather, and Matthew chapter 19 verses 1 through 10, and Genesis chapter 2, it's around verse 18 through the end of the chapter. You and I can see both God Himself saying this in Genesis 2 and Jesus reaffirming it in, in Matthew chapter 19 where a man would leave father and mother, where a man would cleave to his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. And Jesus adds a qualifier to that in Gen- Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 7, 6 or 7 there where He says, What God hath joined together... Let not man put asunder. And if you and I were translating that realistically in our uh, vocabulary today, uh, Jesus would more literally be saying what God has joined together. Man does not have the right to tear apart. Man does not have the right to disassemble. And yet... In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is asked probably the same question you and I are asked several times, but what about those uh, Pharisees who come to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 say, why then did Moses give us a writing of divorcement? Jesus would answer that and say, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses had to, uh, was necessary that he regulate what was going on already. And Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 19, as uh, Billy read for us just a moment ago, that he, he goes on and gives the qualifier for the reason why men or women can be divorced and remarried. A lot of times we say, this is the reason for divorce. And that's not exactly accurate. What Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 19 verse 9 is the reason a man can be or a woman can be remarried. And you say, well, preacher, isn't that the same thing? Not necessarily. The God you and I serve would not expect his child to continually live uh, in a household where they were being physically abused or or things of that nature. And so divorce may be the final straw there, but that does not mean they can be remarried. And so we have these regulations, and as Jesus gives those regulations out, the Disciples who will become the future apostles say that it's best that we don't get married. Well, we have gone from one end of the spectrum to the other, haven't we? 
God says uh, that I'm going to join these two people together. Jesus said God has joined these two people together and that we can't tear it apart. And that, that those marriages will be tough at times and, and that we'll have to work on them. And then the disciples say, well, then we just probably shouldn't get married. That's not what he's talking about. Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. You're going to read in those passages that God... Now, here's a word that he doesn't use very often. Hates. Divorce. God hates divorce. Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. You and I are used to, uh, or at least my generation from growing up, we're used to no-fault divorce. That is, we can, we can change husbands and wives like we change socks. And it's, it's no problem. We're used to uh, failed marriages and, and the spending time here and then the splitting time to go over here and spending the weeks there and the weekends here. You and I are used to riding by public places and looking at two vehicles as they are parked beside each other, seeing a man and a woman who are old enough to be husband and wife, trading kids. Let me tell you something. That has a negative impact on us as a church and as a society. That has a negative impact on how people view the saving grace of the gospel. The, the disintegration of the home is nothing to sneeze at. I had an interesting conversation this past week. And it was about the uh, shooting, the school shooting down in, in Florida. And I made the statement that when we went to school in the metropolis of Munford, Alabama, that any given day in the parking lot we had enough weapons to start a young war and every pocket had a knife in it. What's the difference? What's the difference? I think the difference is the fruit of the tree of the homes failing. Nobody putting any effort into the the idea of marriage. And the idea that that thing is for a lifetime. And if, if you have a problem, you know what you do? Work it out. Figure out how to get past it. So many folks that, that we run into every day in our society, so many people are affected by a, a single divorce. Obviously, the couple is. You know, they're, they're divorcing from their husband or their wife. The parents of those couple are absolutely affected by that. The children, the church, the community. And this is not something that I read in a book somewhere. 
At the age of 14 and up until I was 15, my parents got a divorce. My father was unfaithful and they decided not to try to work on it. And I knew when I went to school that people were talking about it. You know how you know that? When they stop talking about it when you walk in, that's a pretty good indicator. Adults, kids, we lived in a small town. Everybody knew about it. And it was the preacher and his wife. And that had a negative impact. By the way, just a side note for you. When a preacher and his wife get divorced and the preacher no longer works there, where does the family go? That's where we work. You don't live in that house anymore. You don't have any income anymore. Where do you go? What do you do? It's awful. It's uh, it's scary. Everything that seemed to be a constant there no longer is. Now, what do you do with it? Even 30 years past that, it still has negative effects on myself and my sisters. Why is that? Because we don't care about getting over those things or because there are so many emotions tied to those things or because people have different views of certain things all those things come into play maybe because one or two or even three of those children won't change on what they think about those things whether it be right or wrong the effects of a divorce go further than just that house. Just that little spot. And we see it time and time and time again. Due to time restrictions, there's no way we could talk about all of the, the the tragedies that occur when a when a marriage falls apart. And we're not going to look at whether today, whether this divorce is a, is a, has a right for being scripturally remarried or not. We want to look at this, just the spouses and the children of the divorce and see what happens to them as this happens, as this divorce takes place. And I want you to know that this should be for us a cautionary tale. This should be for us just a, a a reaffirming of why you and I should try as hard as we can, if it be possible, as hard as we can to make our marriages last. This is not a sermon to tell you problems do not exist in the home. This is a sermon to tell you when these problems happen and when they 
come about that way. Here's what goes on with the folks. Look at the children. I have these helpful little notes right here that will help me. During a divorce, there is a mental aspect that takes uh, precedence with a child. Teenagers in a single parent home and in blended families are three times more likely to need psychological help within a year to deal with and process through the action and the separation of divorce. Three times likely. I did not have psychological help. That is, I didn't have anyone to say, you know, look at this and think about that and this other thing. And it takes a long time to process through those things if you don't have someone to help you do that. Notice this. Compared to children from homes, that is full homes, and these are compared to children with homes that have been disrupted from death. Children from divorced homes are more likely to have psychological problems. Why is that? With a death, there, there is a, a point to which you can grieve and you can get through those things and you can visit those gravestones and know where that parent is. Sometimes you don't know where the parent is who's missing from the home or what they're doing or why they're not there. There's a study of children six years after a divorce and it revealed that after all this time, these children tended to be lonely, unhappy, anxious, and insecure. Makes a lot of sense because... Everything that they knew and everything that they had has realistically just imploded. And we wonder why. How, how do we get to a point to where people think this way and, and have the ideas of shooting schools or have the ideas of this or that or, or another thing? The stability of the home is a key. Notice socially. Children of divorced parents, particularly boys, tend to be more aggressive toward other children than the children who are from full functioning homes. And I would say to you, I'm not sure about necessarily toward other children, but Aggressive in general, probably so. Probably so, especially boys, because, you know, in America we're taught a lot of things, and one of those is boys don't have emotions and don't cry. And how are you supposed to grieve and get over those things? Children of divorce are four times more likely to report problems with their peers and friends. 70% of long-term prison inmates, now you hear 70% of long-term prison inmates come from homes of divorce. 
You don't affect. You don't think that affects children? Mentally, socially, academically, studies in the in the eighties show show that uh, the children in repeated divorce homes earn lower grades. And I don't know why they threw this one in there, but it, it says it. And are less pleasant to be around. Now it says children of divorced parents are roughly two times more likely to drop out of high school. Academically speaking. Now notice this. Physically. Children living with both biological parents are 20 to 35% more likely to be physically healthy. Physically healthy. Following divorce, divorce, children are 50% more likely to develop health problems. Children of divorce are at a greater risk to experience injury, asthma, headache, speech defects than children whose parents remain married. A child in a mother-reared or a female-headed home is ten times more likely to be beaten or murdered. Can you imagine that? And children who come from broken homes are twice as likely to commit suicide. Why? Well, there's nothing for them to live like. There's nothing for them to live up to. Notice this. Children, spiritually speaking, When, when the, one of the parents, whether it be father or mother, is taken out of the picture, spiritually speaking, they're less trusting. Has a child not know that we're not going to back away from them? We're not going to leave them. Less likely to pray. Why? Because what's the point? I heard a man or of a man this past weekend. who would make the statement and would continue to make the statement that prayer is for us to get things off of our chest and not that God will answer those things. The answering of prayer stopped in the miraculous. Over the past seven years, I can see that's not true. With the amount of people who have been on our sick list and yet we pray for them and and those things have happened and, and positive things have happened. I can't believe prayer does not work. I can't believe it because First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 tells me to pray uh, without ceasing. I can't believe it because James chapter 5 and verse 16 tells me that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And if that's not true, and those two are not true, how many others in that Bible are not true? Spiritually speaking, the children find it more difficult to forgive because they carry around scars where they've been hurt when they have forgiven. They don't see a need in it. And then there is the sleeper effect of spirituality that 
that seemingly nothing is wrong with this child of divorce as he sits here and and is basically made to come to church with his mother or father until he gets out. And he gets out when he's handed that piece of paper as he's walking across that high school stage. He's able to go to that university perhaps two, three hours away from mother and father and they're not there to make him go. And he never goes back. Because while he was here, and while he did not heed to those things, and while we did not teach him enough, effectively, he simply said, I'm biding my time till I get out, and I never have to go back. I was 16 years old, and I made these three statements, I will not be married, I will not have children, I will not be a preacher. I laugh and look at that today and say that's 0 for 3. What I really meant by that was if the example I had growing up was what marriage is, I don't want any part of it. If the example I had when I was growing up was how you treat children, I don't want any part of it. And probably most disturbing out of those three was if the example I had growing up being a Christian was that, I hope I'd go to hell. Now that's just being as honest with you as I can be. It affects children long into their adulthood. Notice this. It affects the spouses also. Mentally. Men and women both suffer a decline in moral and mental health. They found women are more greatly affected. They can suffer depression, hostility, uh, personal self-acceptance, that is a personal um, uh, opinion of themselves. They can, they can suffer in their positive relationships with others. A recent study found out that those who run happy but stayed married were more likely to be happy five years later than those who were divorced. What does that mean, preacher? Sometimes when you and I are having a rough patch in our marriage, it is that. Many will will concede and say perhaps divorce is the best thing, but if you and I can weather those storms, we can be closer together and happier in our marriages. Notice this idea physically. Life expectancy for divorced men and women is significantly lower for, for those who are married. Health consequences of divorce are so severe that Yale researcher concluded that being divorced and a non-smoker is slightly less dangerous than smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and staying married. Now here's your word. Slightly Less. Why? Because Genesis chapter 2 in verse number 18 is still true. Because it's not good for man and woman to, to be alone. Because you and I need help meets. Notice this financially. 
Families with children that were not poor before divorce see their income drop as much as 50%. And almost 50% of the parents uh, with children that are going through divorce have moved into poverty after divorce. Studies show that women experience uh, about 30% decline in their standard of living, while men decline about 10%. And then we have this idea. Spiritually speaking, the problems that happen with spouses at divorce is that we have completely dismissed, or at least on a good portion of those divorces, Matthew chapter 19, verse number 9. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9? Turn, turn over there with me. I know we've read it before, and we read it this morning, but let's, let's read it one more time. Here's what He says, I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. When we overlook the reasoning for that particular divorce and having an opportunity to remarry, when we overlook that, not only have we looked over the action that would, would necessitate or would give a person the right to be divorced, but we've overlooked God's law. And we look at ourselves and say, I, I don't know why it didn't work. Well, I do. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 4 will tell you that. The way of the transgressor is hard. Brethren, you think you and I can overlook God's law and just have a life that's filled with ease and comfort? So you get it this way. It's not going to happen. We dismiss the only reason God has given us for a scriptural divorce. And we say, we'll just do any, anything and we can have anything that we want. We can live with whomever we want. Spiritually, we place our desires before God. Before God, I can take you to the houses if we wanted to take a field trip of people my age or roughly that who were in the youth group we were in, whose situation at home got bad enough to say, "I'm going to be divorced and just not be remarried," and within two or three years. Be remarried because they say, I just can't take it that way. I don't care what it says. What, what do you do with that? How, how do you look at that? How do you, how do you teach someone that? How, what am I supposed to do? What are we supposed to do as a, as a church, as a nation? What are we supposed to do? When, I, when our families are falling apart and we ask why our nation is. Why our families are falling apart and we ask why the church is. Because we dismiss the one reason. Because we put our desires before God. And because we become hardened to the truth. I don't care what it says. Amen. 
you'll carry one day. Maybe that answer is not good enough. Maybe that answer is not the right answer. When a man or a woman has decided that they're going to do whatever they want to do and live however they want to live, the only answer I can think of is you'll care one day. It's not to pile up the guilt. For those who may have been through a divorce or those who may be the children of a divorce, it's not to pile up the guilt that that you could have done more, you should have done more, or, or even the fact that that divorce is unscriptural. I don't know the case behind those. This is really to understand this fact. The person you choose to marry, the person you choose to live your life with is the second greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. And it's secondarily only to will you be faithful to God. 